Amen. May our praises be magnified, Lord, a hundred billion times because you deserve it. The holy, holy, holy and righteous God clothed himself with flesh, came down here to redeem every person on the face of the earth should they choose to believe. Simple, but yet so hard for many people to do. Just believe. Lord, today we thank you, Lord, as we look at the stars at night, which aren't really too clear in these populated areas. Lord, but there's billions and billions of stars, and according to the book of Psalms, your word tells us that you know them all by name. Lord, amazing God you are. You came to redeem every man, regardless of race, color, creed, whether they're healthy or sick or rich or poor. You came to redeem us all. Lord, today we want this message, the message of the gospel, to go out to the entire world, Lord. Not just from this little church, but from every church that's preaching the gospel. For all the evangelists out there preaching, all the missionaries preaching, all the pastors preaching, and all the laymen preaching, Lord, may the gospel be held and heard loud and clear that they might come and know you as their Savior, that they would humble themselves before you and believe in your Son, Jesus. Lord, as we look at this Canaanite woman today, we pray that we see ourselves as believing in the one and only Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To you be the glory, Lord. The gates of hell are held back in the name of Jesus right now because we have authority. Your word tells us very clearly that the weapons of your people's warfare are not carnal. They are mighty through to you, and they pull down strongholds. They cast down imaginations. And every high thing that exalts itself against you, and then it brings into captivity every thought of ours to the obedience of Jesus Christ. Father, we have authority. We shut those forces of darkness down so that people's hearts can become soft and pliable, that they would hear the gospel message, and have the courage to respond to your calling. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless the church. You may be seated. For those online, we're glad you're here. We got a new audience. Every, every time I come up here, there's a new audience that comes on about 1030. So we want to welcome you. You're listening to Freedom Church at the Palm Beaches. I'm Pastor Joe Trapani. We're glad you're, you're here. Stay tuned. Get your Bibles out to Matthew chapter 15. Turn to the 21st verse, and we're going to go up to about the 31st verse, I believe it is. Okay? Um, for those online, again, you're listening to Freedom Church at the Palm Beaches. Um, we're at 2810 High Paluxo Road in Lantana, Florida, which is actually South Florida, and we're glad you're here. If you're local, where you just uh, go on I-95, get the High Paluxo Road, which is the north border of Boynton Beach and also the south border of Lantana, and uh, head west a quarter mile. We're on the north side of the road. It's called Freedom Church 
of the Palm Beaches, and we're glad you're here. If you're online, our, our website, freedomchurchpb.org, you know, you can find out anything about us. You can find our address. You can find out what our beliefs are. We can find out our ministries. You can find out and listen to any messages from years back. You can even give online should the Lord lead you. So we thank you for that. If you want to contact me, just add joe at freedomchurchpb.org. Just add that on, on the front side. And uh, I'll be glad to answer your questions um, or anything that you might desire, prayer requests. We're glad, would be glad to pray. Um, also, for those online, you know, um, I, I wrote a book. It's called About Face. A wake-up call for the church. You can purchase it at Shulon, Shulon, which is X-U-L-O-N Press. You can buy it there. You can go to Barnes & Noble or Amazon. They can also uh, get it for you. But uh, it, I put it through a Christian publisher, which is Shulon, which is X-U-L-O-N. And, uh, you know, I just wanted a Christian publisher because I didn't want the Word of God to be mixed up with all the junk and foulness of the world. Let's put it that way. These guys will only print pub, uh, godly books, and they're a big distributor. So praise the Lord. Um, it's called a wake-up call for the church, freedom about face. You know, so if you're in the army, you do about face. That means you're you're headed in the world's way, and you do an about face, and you head to His way. That's a whole different life. It's called what Jesus told Nicodemus in John chapter three. He says, "You must be born again." You aren't born again in your mother's womb, as he told Nicodemus. He said, you're born again in your heart. Your heart has a different focus, a different love now. Instead of loving the world and all the junk that's in it, you know, you love God. And because you love him and you delight yourself in him, he'll give you the desires of your heart, which will be godly things, not evil things. Okay? doesn't mean he's going to give you a condo in the French Riviera. It means you're going to have peace and joy and understanding and love and hope in your heart. So, so uh, we're glad you're online. Stay tuned. There's, um, if you send any donation in and tell you me, you me you want the book, I'll be glad to send it to you. Okay? Matthew chapter 15, verse 21. Before we get to read that little short passage there I want to remind you in John chapter or Matthew chapter 15 here I, I showed you last week that in this chapter Jesus is going to be confronted by by several things and he's going to confront you know he's going to confront religion he's going to confront race and he's going to confront resources which we'll get to next week last week we turned about learned that he he refuted or confronted religion the scribes and the Pharisees who did not believe in Jesus were putting man's traditions above the Word of God. So if this is our church traditions, and we have it above the Word of God, which one's really true? Since Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, okay, the truth is the Word of God. So you put the Word of God over anything else you might read. It's the Word of God. Well, they were taking their traditions and they were making them more important than the scriptures that were copied, you know, throughout the ages written down by the Jewish people. 
because salvation is from the Jews. Jesus was a Jew. His disciples were Jewish. And they became Christians when they believed in Jesus Christ. These, Jesus is confronting the unbelieving scribes and Pharisees about their religion. You put the Word of God first. Then you can do your thing. But the Word of God is always priority. Today we're going to see um, uh, Jesus is going to confront race. He's going to actually talk to a Canaanite woman. She's also known as the Syrophoenician woman. She's a Gentile. And the Jews, uh, even the disciples, are wanting her to shut up because she wasn't, she wasn't a Jew. And Jesus is going to confront that here. He doesn't care if you're Hebrew or you're a Gentile. A Gentile means any other nationality that isn't Jew. You know, Jews are very important. Jews are my favorite people because salvation comes from them. I love Jewish people. But when we talk about the Hebrew people sometimes and you find a negative connotation, it's because they're an unbelieving Jew in the Scriptures. So Jesus is talking that he's unbelieving Jews. He was healing the sick. He was raising the dead. Lepers were being claimed. The blind were seeing. The deaf were hearing. The lame were walking. You know, he even fed people, which we're going to learn next week. He confronts the resources. He's going to take a few fish and, he's gonna, and a few pieces of bread, and, and he's going to feed 4,000 people. That's only the men. You've got to add the women and children. You've got about 10,000 10, people here. He's, gonna, he's saying, hey, I'm Lord over the resources, too. I'm Lord over your religion. I'm real Lord over Freedom Church of the Palm Beaches. I'm Lord over race. I don't care if you're Japanese, Australian, Italian, Puerto Rican. I don't care. I want your heart. I want you to know me. So that's where we're at today. He's going to confront race. And we're going to see... Uh, actually, a prayer that this this uh, Syrophoenician woman is actually giving. So, if you turn to Matthew chapter 15 and verse 21, I'm reading from the uh, New American Standard Version. This is the Syrophoenician woman, and Jesus went away from there, where he had just rebuked the scribes and Pharisees for putting their religion over top of God's word, which is the scriptures. He went away from there and drew to, withdrew to the district of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a Canaanite woman came out from their re region and began to cry out, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David, my daughter is cruelly demon-possessed. But he did not answer her a word. And his disciples came to him and kept asking him, saying, Send her away, for she is shouting out after us. But he answered and said, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Now he's talking to the woman. But she came and began to bow down before him, saying, Lord, help me. That's as simple as a prayer can get. Lord, help me. And I've prayed that many times over the years 
And I'm sure you probably have too. Lord, help me. And he answered and said to her, It is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. Sounds derogatory, but wait till I get it. I'll explain it to you. But he, she said, Yes, Lord, but even the dogs feed on the crumbs which fall from the master's table. Then Jesus answered and said to her, O woman, your faith is great. Be it done to you as you wish. And her daughter was healed at once. Now we don't know, from reading that passage, we don't know if she had her daughter with her or her daughter was home. But her daughter was healed at once because this woman put her faith in Jesus. He even said to her in the 28th verse, Oh woman, your faith is great. Your faith is great. So here's the confrontation number two. I named this title, Tenfold Prayer of the Gentile Woman. And I had one of our deacons, Brian, pass out a little flyer to you so you can go along with me. We're going to look at tenfold prayer of this Gentile woman. You could call it a request. You could call it whatever you want. But she has ten. There's ten important things in this little passage here that we were going to see. Let me read the first 21 and verse 22 again. Then Jesus went out from there and departed to the region of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a woman of Canaan came from that region and cried out unto him, saying, Have mercy, O Lord, on me, son of David. My daughter is severely demon-possessed. You've got to realize at this point, Jesus has 12 disciples. His job is to train them, like any pastor's job is to train the congregation. And any father's job is to train the family. Okay? He is training his disciples. And this woman is using the same phrase the blind man did in Matthew chapter 9. He's saying, you know, have mercy on me, Lord Son of David. Those are encouraging terms. They are identifying, those terms are identifying who they are talking to. Listen, the, the Gentile woman here isn't Hebrew. She is acknowledging by saying that, that Jesus is the Messiah. She's saying to him, O Lord, Son of David. They knew that the Messiah was going to come from the Son of David a son of David that come on down the line. You know, they, they knew that he, that he was going to be from that line. And they knew that the Messiah, when he comes, will change things around. He'll heal the sick, raise the dead, set the captives free. You know, the mute will speak, the dumb will talk. All these things are happening. The dead will be raised. And this, this is one man that is doing it. There has never been another man on the face of the earth that has ever done what Jesus Christ has done. There have been prophets of the Jewish faith that, that have done miraculous things, but they did it through God. He, though what she's saying is, she's a Gentile now. She doesn't even know much about, uh, about the Hebrew faith. She's saying, I know who you are, Jesus. I know who you are. You couldn't do these things. How did she even know to go to Jesus unless she heard that Jesus was healing people? 
Then she, she saying to him, you know, I know who you are. You're the Messiah of Israel. Have mercy on me. Have mercy on me. She's humbling herself right there. She's humbling herself before the Lord. And then she's going on. She's pleading. She's pleading, I need your mercy, not basically for me, but for my daughter. So you can pray. Just this morning, I got a, a text from Theron. You know, our, he's one of our deacons. He said, I won't be at church today because my mother-in-law, who lives with them, fell, and she's in the hospital. So I text him back. I, you know, we understand, okay, we will pray for her. We, as a church, right now, because we're mentioning it before the Lord, I don't have to bow my head and say, Lord, remember, you know, Theron and Carol's mother, okay? No, the Lord knows who I'm talking about. He knows who I'm talking about. I'm, we are praying in a gap situation for another person. Now, this woman is praying for her daughter. And this daughter is one version of the Bible would say demon vexed with a demon. Another version says possessed by a demon. This young lady was possessed. She was doing things that devils would do, I guess whatever that could be, which is anything evil, so put it that way. She obviously knows the Scriptures. Isaiah chapter 61. You know, let me read you a passage from Isaiah chapter 61. It's talking about the Messiah. I'm going to go to the first and second verse. The, this, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the afflicted. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted and to proclaim liberty to the captives and freedom to prisoners. This young lady was a prisoner of the devil at this point. She was possessed. He, the Messiah, was going to bring liberty to captives. This young lady was a was captive by an enemy, and she knew that Jesus could bring her freedom or liberty. She knew it. You know what? When Jesus started his ministry in Mark, or Luke, chapter 4, here's what Jesus, he, he went up, they called him up to the temple because he was a well-known rabbi, not trained by the rabbis, but trained by his father. He he got up to read the scriptures, and he picked that passage I just read. And it's recorded in Luke chapter 4, verse 18 and 19. Here's Jesus. Remember the words of Isaiah. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set free those who are downtrodden, to come to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. And he closed that book, and he said this, Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. He is identifying himself as the Messiah of Israel. Some believed it, some didn't. Some people today on the face of the earth don't believe it. Some do. Some believe in other people. That are that claim to be God or like you know Bohobuddha or Muhammad. By the way, those two never claimed to be God, but they were made gods by people that would worship them. The only one ever worshipped in the Bible 
was one person, that was God, and then there was God in Christ. Jesus never refused worship, but yet he brought heal, healed people, raised dead people. And even the, the Jews were wondering, if he's a sinner, how could he do this? Well, he isn't. He's the son of God. He's the son of God, and he is sinless. I know you find that hard to believe, but there's only one person that did it. I ask God all the time, and I bring it to your attention. I say, God, why would you even put me in a pulpit? I'm a sinner. And he always has the same answer. Who else am I going to put there? You're all sinners. You all fall short of the glory of God, don't we? But Jesus didn't. He didn't fall short. He's worthy of worship because he's the Son of God. For God so loved this world that he gave his only begotten Son that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have eternal life. My goodness. Why can't people just believe that? They're afraid their life will change. If I ask you right now, how many people want to see change? You would all probably raise your hand. If I asked you, do you want to change? You'll keep your hands down. You know what I mean? Everybody wants change, but nobody's willing to do it. Why is that? You want change to this world. Well, become a Christian and live by Christian principles. Live by the Word of God. Not because you're saved by them, but because Jesus saved you who put their faith in Him. And this woman was putting her faith in Jesus. There's three obstacles that this lady is facing in verse 23. But He answered not a word to her, and his disciples came and urged him, saying, Send her away, for she cries out after us. You know, her one obstacle was the Lord wasn't paying any attention, or at least she thought he wasn't paying any attention. But he did. He did this for a purpose, to draw out her faith. Because she just didn't yell one time, she kept on, even when the disciples discouraged her, shut up, shut up, go away. She kept crying out to Jesus. That's persistence. We're going to see that when we get to the ten points. Mark's gospel duplicates, not duplicates, but, but gives us another witness to the situation. Mark, in chapter 10, 46 through 48, says that when, when he heard when she heard it was Jesus, she began to cry out, saying, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. But Jesus was silent, but she kept on doing it anyway. So when you're in prayer, you just don't pray once. Pray constantly. Jesus said, Ask, and it shall be given. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and the door shall be opened. And everyone who asks, receives. Everybody who seeks, finds. Everybody who knocks, it shall be open. And, and actually the verbs there, and everyone who asks is, is actually in the, as actually should be translated, everyone who constantly asks, who constantly thinks, who sees, uh, constantly asks, prays, and seeks, knocks and seeks, you will, will, will happen to you. Constantly, you've got to continually do it. But just because you prayed it once, believe it. But then keep reminding the Lord. Number two of her, her um, persistence and the obstacle was the Lord's disciples, their vocalness. Shut her up. Yeah, shut her up. He didn't, they didn't want her to speak. He's teaching them, right? 
He's just taught them, you don't send anybody away. All that come to me, I will take in. All that come. The spiritual truth is, and this woman may have known it, Jeremiah 33.3, which I tell you is the Lord's phone number, Jeremiah 33.3. Like when I was in, in Pittsburgh, in Pennsylvania, where I lived and was raised, you know, our phone number was Sterling 5694. And Sterling had a call. Well, God's phone number is Jeremiah 33.3. Remember that. Call upon me in your day of troubles, and I will answer you, and I will show you great and mighty things which you don't understand. The disciples don't understand this. She's a Gentile. People think that the Messiah only came for the Jews. That is absolutely not true. He came for the 7.5 billion people on the face of this earth today. And the other 7.5 billion that will be in the future should he tarry. He loves us all he came to save all people. He wishes that none would perish, that all would come to repentance. And repentance is being sorry for your sins, but acting upon them and turning away from them, which is what I wrote in that book. It's about faith. You turn around. You go in another direction. You're born again. Uh, before I became a believer at age 27, I was a drunk, an alcoholic. I had a foul mouth that you couldn't believe in. I was a crook. I was a robber. I was arrested at times at gunpoint. I'm no longer that same person. That same person, that person's dead. Because at 27, I received Jesus as my Savior, and my life changed. I started believing this instead of the propaganda that wasn't even on TV or on the radio. Now you got YouTube and all that garbage on there. It's a bunch of propaganda in most cases. Some's good, some's bad. You got to make sure what's good and what's not so good. This is the information age, and we got too much information. Too much information starts wars and everything else. You can get into some big trouble. The disciples' silence, the Lord's silence, the disciples' vocalness, and her third obstacle is her unworthiness. But he answered and said to her, verse 24, I was sent, I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the sons of Israel. He's reminding this woman, that he's a Jew. He wanted to draw out her faith. Jesus is preparing right here an expansion to the Christian, to, to the faith, to faith in him. It's an expansion. It's not just Jews. It's Jews and Gentiles, Italians, even the Roman army that they hated. The Jewish culture, the Greek culture, you know, the, the African culture, whatever. They, they ha Jesus is expanding the minds of the disciples into thinking in bigger terms. 
A lot of people even today put God in a box. Even churches today put God in a box. Oh, you can't come to church. You wear a tattoo. Oh, you dye your hair. Don't come. Nonsense. God wants everybody. He isn't going to say, oh, you got a tattoo, Pastor Joe. Can't take you in. You know what he's going to say? You've received my son's Jesus' sacrifice on the cross, the shedding of his blood. Therefore, come on into the kingdom because of what Jesus did and what I did to receive him. You know, if you ever did evangelism explosion with Dr. D. James Kennedy, who was the senior pastor of Coral Woods Presbyterian Church down in Fort Lauderdale, he had a program called Evangelism Explosion. And one of the questions was this. If you died today and you stood before God at, at heaven and he said to you, why should I let you into my kingdom? What would be your answer? A lot of people would say, well, I was a Sunday school teacher for 15 years. Oh, I played in the, I sang in the choir. Um, I led the worship. I was at church every Sunday for 30 years and never missed a Sunday. Rain, snow, sleet, or hail. That's why I should get into your kingdom. And you say, sorry, depart from me. I never knew you. But if you st when you stand before God and you say, Father, I'm a sinner saved by grace through Christ's redemption. His death, his burial, his resurrection the third day according to the scriptures because I'm a believer in Jesus Christ. Come on in, son. You're welcome into my kingdom because your, blood, your sins were washed away by the precious blood of the Savior of the world. Verse 25 through 27. Then she came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. Note, in this case, worship is preceding the request. Worship is pre preceding the request. We worshiped this morning before, or praised the Lord before we got up here today. Peter had just cried these same words when he pleaded for the Lord, you know, to, to go away from him because he was a sinful man. There's a twofold request in this chapter here. Lord, help me. And number two, intercession for someone else. Help me because I'm interceding for someone else. It happens to be my daughter, and of course I love her. Verse 26 and 27, But he answered and said, It is not good to take away the children's bread, which is the Messiah. It's a reference to himself because he's the bread of the world. And throw it to the dog. Let me clarify that a little bit more. It's not good to take the children's bread, which is food, right, and throw it to the dogs. But if you look at that, you say, this is derogatory. Why would Jesus call her a dog? Right? Well, you've got to look at the Greek. It's biblical Greek, by the way. I know Bill can speak Greek because he's Greek. But this is biblical Greek. And the word here that Jesus used is canarion, 
K-U-N-A-R-I-O-N, which actually is puppy. Which actually is puppy. The word for dog is kuon, which is K-U-O-N. That means a hound dog, a full-grown dog. Here's what Jesus is really saying to, to her. It's not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little puppies. Sounds a little better now, don't it? Because you interpreted the Greek noun properly. Jesus isn't saying no here. He's asking her why. Why should you benefit from the Jewish Messiah? Why do we, Gentiles, I don't know anybody here today that I know has any uh, Jewish blood in them. Maybe you do. He's asking her, why should you benefit from the Jewish, from the Jews that I was sent to? And he's actually pointing out her unworthiness so that she can show him that I'm not worthy. Have mercy on me, O Lord, Son of David. Salvation is not for just Jews alone. It's for everyone. Jesus died for everyone, not wishing any would perish. All would come to repentance, as I said. She's telling him about her unworthiness in verse 27. She said, yes, Lord, but even the, again, not dogs, little puppies eat crumbs which fall from the master's table. You know what? You think about this. This is just common sense. She's just speaking with common sense. Yeah, there's going to be crumbs that fall from the table, and the puppies eat the crumbs. Well, listen, I'm a Gentile Lord, and I'll be satisfied with just a crumb, just a crumb from you. Because crumbs do fall from the, book, from the table. You can see my puppy. She's always under me. I eat sloppier than my wife, I guess. You know? She understood that her only hope was Jesus for her daughter. She fought through like a warrior would do. She fought through the silence, and she persisted. She fought through the discouragement of the disciples by sending one another, sending her away, but she persisted. She was told that she really isn't worthy but she knew she needed God's mercy, and that was one of the things she first prayed for. She still has faith. She's trusting in the Lord. So verse 28 of chapter 15, And Jesus answered and said to her, O woman, great is your faith. Let it be known done to you as you desire. And her daughter was healed from that very eye for hour. Listen, great is your faith. There was only two people in the Bible that Jesus said that to. One was the, the Roman centurion, Cornelius. And her. And they were both Gentiles. Do you see that why weren't the Jewish people having that kind of faith? You know why Jesus was in the land of Canaan? Because the Jews were rejecting him. But the... But the Gentiles were open to the gospel. Today is the same way. A lot of the Jews aren't open to the gospel. 
And the ones that are, as the generations persist, the Jewishness gets lost and the Christianity comes out. Remember, all the disciples were Christians when they received Christ. But as many as received him, to them he gave you the right to become the children of God, even those who believe in my name. So they became Christians at Antioch, it's recorded in the book of Acts. So, you may be a relative of Peter or Paul or James or John because, you know, because their Jewishness, I'm sure, carries and even carries into Christianity today because I brought a lot of it out to you. It even, it, it even was brought out today. There's only two times. These two people, this woman and the Gentile centurion, was actually, Jesus marveled at their faith, but he couldn't marvel at the faith of the Jewish people. Remember I read that passage where it says, you know, um, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me in Luke chapter, chapter 4. Do you know why? What the, what the Jews did, they kicked him out of the temple at that point. They wanted to throw him over the ledge of the cliff because he said, today this is fulfilled in your hearing. They lacked faith. They wanted to kill him. They took him to the edge of the cliff, if you read the Gospels correctly, and put them all together, and he just walked through the crowd because it wasn't his time. He wasn't going to die being thrown off a cliff. He was appointed for death on a on a stake or a wooden cross to die for men's sins. And he was, he was actually indestructible until that day, which is recorded in the scriptures in Daniel chapter 9, 174,880 days, something like that if you count them off, from the days that Jerusalem was, was, was the edit was signed to rebuild Jerusalem. You count it off, you end up in Jerusalem around 32, 33 A.D. Nobody else lived on that time, of the, on that earth that time of the, had anything. Anybody who ever lived at that time had no more clout than the Lord Jesus Christ, and there has never been anyone since, and there never will be, because Jesus fulfilled 365 Jewish prophecies in the Old Testament alone. 365, no one else could even possibly come close to it. I stand here a Christian because I had a little tract that was written by a man named Chick Tracks, it's called, and they still exist today. And it was, when I flipped it and read it, you saw a picture of a cross with Jesus hanging on it, and it said, it listed 17 prophecies that were fulfilled after Jesus, you know, when Jesus died, the day he died. And I was talking to a Christian friend of mine, and I wasn't a Christian yet. And he said, you know what's really neat about that? I said, no, what's neat about somebody dying on a cross? You know? He's, he said, half of them were fulfilled. Half of those 17 prophecies that were fulfilled that day Jesus was, di- was crucified, half of them were fulfilled after he was dead. And I'm thinking like, what? After he was dead? How could he fulfill them if he's dead unless he's alive? Right? He's alive, church. This is no fairy tale that you're looking at. David and Goliath is not a fairy tale. It's a truth. Jonah being swallowed by a whale is not a fairy tale. It's a truth. Jesus even acknowledged it. It's the truth. This is the truth. You're only going to heaven one way. 
by receiving Christ Jesus as your Savior. That's it. Follow Billy Graham's preaching when he did it. <laughs> Every time you're going to heaven by Jesus Christ and Him alone. That's it. So here's our tenfold prayer that's on your list. We're going to go through them real quick before we're done. Tenfold prayer request of the Syrophoenician woman. Number one, she was direct. Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed. You need to be direct. Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. Have mercy on me. If you're on the internet right now, ask God to have mercy on you because you're a sinner. And then call him Lord, which he is, son of David. Number two, she was humble. Lord, son of David, she's humbling herself. She's saying, you're the Lord, I'm at your feet. She's acknowledging him as Messiah. She came to him, verse 25, and she threw herself down at her feet. It's, uh, one verse that says worship. If you go into the Greek word, it says she threw herself down at his feet. She wasn't just, have mercy on me, Lord, son of David. No, she's down on her feet, humbling herself before the Lord. Another version says, you know, if you use that same word in Matthew chapter, um, Matthew chapter 18. No, I'm sorry, Acts chapter 10, verse 25. It says, to kiss. To worship means to kiss. She's kissing his feet. Is that an act of humility? Yes, you better believe it is. Number three, her prayer was fervent. She was fervently seeking the Lord for, for him to set her daughter free. She knew that the Messiah was coming to set at liberty the captives. This woman was captive and possessed by a devil, the daughter, that is. She was possessed by a devil. She knew that he could set her free. And she went after it. She was desperate. Her daughter, one version, grievously vexed with a devil. Boy, I'll tell you what, I've seen some of that in my Christian 45 years as a believer. I've seen some of that. And it's ugly. It is ugly. You want to run away and hide. But I'll tell you what. You stand there and you say, in the name of Jesus, shut your mouth. I'm a believer and you're a devil. Guess who God's going to side with? You lose, I win in Jesus Christ. She's desperate. She knew that the Messiah is coming. Actually, let me read another passage. Isaiah chapter 29. Just a two verses. And on that day, in other words, when the Messiah comes, the deaf shall hear words of a book. The scrolls, that could also be. And out of their gloom and darkness, the eyes of the blind will see. The afflicted shall also increase in gladness in the Lord. And the needy of mankind shall rejoice in the Holy One of Israel. And guess what she's going to do at the end of all this? She's going to rejoice in the Holy One 
of Israel because that's exactly who Jesus is. Number five, she's rational. She's using common sense here. She knows that Jesus isn't talking. I'm sure she understood the language. She knew Jesus was saying, you know, why should I, you know, it's not good to take the children's bread and give it to the little puppies. That's what she was hearing. You know, we're hearing dogs today. Some of the things I've learned, I took two years of Greek and a little of the third year. I didn't need it, so I didn't do it. But I'll tell you what, when you study the Greek and look at these verbs and nouns, you get a different picture. And it's more of what you know Jesus to be, kind and, and thoughtful. But he was tough on the people who didn't believe. And he was tough on demonic forces. He said he was a servant leader, but he didn't rule with an iron, iron what do they call it, scepter. He ruled from humility. She knew it, he wasn't throwing a dig at her. When the, when the Jews used Gentile or used dog against the Gentile like a Roman soldier, you know, they were talking about a hound dog, a mean, nasty, full-grown dog. Jesus is calling her a little puppy. Just like when, when he raised Tabitha from the dead, little 12-year-old girl, you know, he, he just didn't say, Tabitha, arise. He said, my little lamb, arise beautiful. This is why I love studying the Word of God and reading through it and teaching it, because you get the chills and, the, and you know, the, the finding out the deeper stuff. My little lamb. He loves her. You see the love flowing from that? It was respectful, number six. Son of David. She has acknowledged him as the king of Israel. He's the king of the Jews. Is that what was written in three languages on the sign on the top of his cross? King of the Jews. Even the Jews went back and said to Pilate, take that off and put, he said he was the king of the Jews. And Pilate said, I've written what I have written. Because you know why? God didn't want he said he was the king of the Jews. He is the king of the Jews. Number seven, it was worshipful. She came and worshipped him. She threw herself at his feet, probably kissed him, and you know, and the disciples were discouraging her, you know, crying out, send her away. And according to this verse, she screamed aloud. She's screaming this at this point. Can you see the desperality of this woman's desire? Not for herself, but for her daughter. Is that love? That's about as close to agape love you're going to get on the face of this earth. Number eight, she's persevering. My daughter, she's standing in a gap. She's crying for another. She cries out after us, says the disciples. But not. She was annoying the disciples. I'm sorry. She was annoying the disciples, but Jesus was hearing every word. Number nine, she was determined. Are you determined to believe in Jesus? Are you determined? She obviously knew that God had plans with him himself to include Gentiles in the kingdom. She knew it somehow in her spirit. 
But the Jews are first. Jesus went to the Jews. And when they rejected him, he went to the Gentiles. Same thing with Paul. He started with the Jews. And he went to the Gentiles. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God for salvation to the Jew first and then the Gentile. Yes, salvation is for the Jews first and then the Gentile. The Gentiles are, are feeling it. Thousands of people, Brett, who's not here today, over in Cairo, Egypt, from this little congregation, preached to 100,000 people. And you know what? He said something like 90-some percent of them were Muslim. Muslim. Do you know about 40 years ago, Egypt was more Christian than Muslim? 40 years ago, Egypt was more known as a Christian nation. Now it's known as a Muslim nation. Because the church needs to wake up like like Admiral Yokomoto said, I fear we have awakened a sleeping giant, and he was right, because the United States of America rose up and blew that island practically off the map. After thousands and thousands of people were killed, soldiers and civilians. It's a terrible thing. All God wanted to do was love us in the garden, and we turned our back on him. Here's proof of the determination that Jesus wants the Gentiles saved. Matthew chapter 21, when we get there, the kingdom will be taken away and given to a nation, bringing forth good fruit. And what is that good fruit? Other believers that put their faith in Jesus Christ. John 16, or 10, 16, and I have other sheep not of this fold. Jesus wasn't return far, talking only about the Jews. He has other sheep, not of this fold, which are the Gentiles. And that's us. I'm, as far as I know, I'm completely Gentile. Having a mother and father that were, were Italian, totally Italian. Even, even things tell me I'm like 90-some percent Italian, full-blooded Italian. But Jesus came for me. I'm a sheep from another fold. You are too if you're not Jewish. And number three, she was full of faith. Or number 10, I'm sorry. She was full of faith. In verse 27, she said, True, Lord, yet the little puppies, the canarions, eat of the crumbs which fall from the master's table. True, Lord, she's acknowledging her position before him. She's acknowledging that she has to have faith and she has faith in him. He, she is acknowledging that her faith is in him. She is understanding that crumbs fall. But she'll be satisfied with one little crumb. You know, basically, in terms of today, I would say this. This woman and that Gentile centurion actually blew the mind of God. Whew, think of that. This is Jesus the Son of God on the face of the earth. And he was so marveling at their faith, his mind was blown, as we would say today. 
I would hope that you would like to blow the mind of God and have faith, have faith that moves mountains out of the way. Faith to put in Jesus Christ and him alone, for he alone is the Lord. If any of you out there over the Internet want to put your faith in the Lord, I don't have to lead you in some kind of prayer. You know what, you, you know what God wants to hear? He wants to hear your heart. Being humble towards him. Being blessed and receiving what Jesus Christ did on the cross to redeem you, us, you from your sin. Here's the gospel in a nutshell. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 3. That Christ came. That Christ died according to the scriptures. That he was buried and he was risen the third day according to the scripture. That is the gospel in all of its fullness. That you believe Jesus came, died, was buried, and is risen and alive today. And he is, church. Believe me, he is. So if you want to put your faith in him, just call out to him like this woman. Lord God, son of David, Jesus, have mercy on me. Come into my heart. I want you. I want to live for you. And then just pray that with all your heart. And he will hear. God will hear. He'll never turn you away if you repent of your sins and put your faith in Jesus, never. Father God, today we thank you for your word, Lord. Your word is beautiful. We just love it, Lord. I pray that as we go from this place, your Holy Spirit takes the word that was just preached to every one of us and, and puts it in a dominant place in our hearts so that we might walk in the ways of the Lord Jesus Christ and fulfill and move this earth into a Christian earth, Lord, where, where we will know you personally as our Savior. To you be the glory, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. God bless you, everybody. I love you all. Thanks for coming. A couple of new people here. Thank you. Come on back. If you want to come up front, I'll be here. I'll help you with any questions you might have or I can pray with you.